is going on, Falkarinos? We are the giant gentlemen in the earthworks, also known as the big dudes in the trenches. <laughs> what is this? I have no idea. Uh, Tug's not here again, so we're making fun of things. That's what's going on. <laughs> He's too serious about Basically, it. Basically, yeah. And we have fun when Tug's not here. That sounds so terrible. That's not what it meant. Anyway. Get back here, Tug. We need you. You hold the show together. (laughs) He'll be back very soon, and we'll also be talking about college football very soon, which will be the focus for basically the rest of the entire year. But before we do that, we wanted to talk about the USFL season that just happened and the championship game that I was at um, because – we kind of stopped talking about USFL during the middle of the season. Um, yeah, that's a thing that happened for reasons, and we're back. So we're talking about it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. nothing against the USFL. It was really you know, the same thing that Tug's not here right now. It's our schedules yeah, it was- were- it was up in the air, and it was it was bad timing for everybody. So it was a real timing issue. Like I was working day shift during most of the XFL season, easy to get off, leave, and games in the evening, easy to watch. I hell, there were some of them I watched when I went, you know, went to the gym uh, versus nice waking up and you get off. Know, yeah, versus getting off and. Uh, you know, maybe missing half a game, and then uh, it was very know, difficult I, I just, to get off after all, that. All, all all different types of things. It was very hard to to keep up with the USFL, which is something I wanted to commit to not doing again this year. Um, but legitimately, there were there are some other issues with that, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Because of course, when when you talk about the XFL and the USFL, you have to compare the two. They are they're the closest two leagues you're ever going to get to compare to, right? Yes, there are real differences, but as far as skill level and product on the field, uh, they're they're the closest that we're going to get. The, you know, these leagues do not stack up to the NFL. I don't think anybody should be trying to stack them up to the NFL. Uh, and that being said, let's start talking about the USFL season that was. Yeah, man. I'll let you take over for the basically the first half of this. Um, but I did go to the championship game, and I took some great pictures I was very excited about. So, <laughs> but we got to start off with, like, we missed, I don't know, we only talked about the first two, three weeks of the season. So, there was a lot that happened in the meantime. We, uh, you know, we did some some power rankings, Uh and I, I don't want to call these our final power rankings because this is legitimately just the standings. It's the standings uh, that we're going to go right. through. It doesn't count. Uh, but I think you could probably guess our power rankings by how we're going to rank these teams. Frankly, uh, starting in dead last, finishing three and seven, the New Jersey Generals. Now, after starting two and two, this team looked promising, uh, and really. There's potential here. This team might not be necessarily that bad. Um, they just found themselves on the wrong side of too many one-possession games. That's all it really comes down to. In a 10-week season, that's tough. Who knows? Who knows if they played 17 weeks like the NFL 
maybe they end up 10 and seven. You know, you never know. I, I think it's plausible. Do I think they actually pull it off? Probably not. Probably not. It is the basically the exact opposite of what happened to them last year, where they were winning all those very close games and ended up with the best record in the regular season and kind of got showed to be frauds in the playoffs, uh, which basically they – I remember watching a New Jersey game. I think it was the second, third game of the season. They lost to Birmingham. And everybody was like, oh, wow, they can beat everybody in the league very handily except for Birmingham, apparently. And then just they started losing like crazy again throughout the rest of the season. So I don't know what happened. Birmingham must have uh, really done a number to these guys. (laughs) They were never, never quite the same. And that'll bring us to our next team here. Before we do, Crazy Frog, thank you for the sub. We could have had a baby. What? What did he say? My boy doesn't go that high. <clears throat> next up, we have the almost equally bad, and I say almost equally bad, Philadelphia Stars. Why are they not equally? Uh, because they were four and six. They won an extra game. Yes, it is a nine-month streak, Crazy Frog. Four and six, and same thing. A lot of close games that did not go their way, and then you mix in a few laughers as well. I mean, this team, they couldn't get out of their own way, and they never really got going to the point to really threaten anybody. The fact that they got four wins, kind of astonishing. Right, but they did have a couple of games where they looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's... It feels like that was most of the league this year was they were just very up and down, inconsistent, mostly in the offensive and defensive line games, which basically just prohibits any momentum. You can't actually build anything if your trench game isn't up to par. And, you know, couldn't build momentum. Well, they did start the season off with a win because the next team started off 0-3 and opened against Philadelphia. I'm talking about, of course, the Memphis Showboats. This team did not look good at all. They looked like the worst team in the league by a country mile. They got beat 42-2 to against the eventual champion, Birmingham Stallions. And we'll talk a little bit more about that game in particular here in a moment. And then some things happened. They took out Brady White. It just wasn't working, which hurt all Memphis fans. Not just me. Fuck you. It hurt all Memphis fans. I see that smile. <laughs> he is 69 and years old, so it is understandable. They put in Cole Kelly, and he was the linchpin for that comeback, man. This team was completely different with him under center, and they were able to pop off five straight Ws. And then they come up against the New Orleans Breakers, a team that they beat the right at the very beginning of their winning streak, and they just got smacked down. They they were really playing for pride that last game of the season, but Birmingham, who beat them 42-2 to the first time they met up, only scored 27 to Memphis's 20. It was a one-possession game. Now, was Birmingham resting guys? Probably. But a much better showing for the Showboats than earlier in the year. This... Obviously, I do have some bias here, but when you look at how this season went for them, I think you got to say this is a comeback team of the year type of thing here. 
Uh, and I, I like the way that they, they have laid out for themselves going forward if they're able to keep pieces and, of course, continue improving. Yeah, that's a fair and bias. Also that's worth okay. mentioning. Also <laughs> worth mentioning, the USFL South is absolutely stacked because 500 was both how fourth and third place finished. The other team that called the Liberty Bowl home, the Houston Gamblers, they also finished five and five. Now, a little bit tougher to get a real good read on them because they were there was not this super inconsistent period, the super consistent period. They're all they're up and down pretty much all year. They they never really got anything going uh, for a significant amount of time. Uh, the one trend I did kind of see is that when they lost, they allowed their opponent to score more than twenty points. Except for one loss to the Breakers, it was a seventeen to ten game. I thought you were legitimately about to say when they lost, they allowed their opponents to score more than they score scored. more points. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is a really bad formula if you want to win games. You know, letting your opponent score more points well, than you. And then in only one of their five wins, they score less than twenty. So I don't know what it is about twenty points because it's not necessarily that they. You know, scoring more than 20 guaranteed that they won because there were a couple of those where they scored more than 20, but their opponent still scored more, obviously more than 20. I, I don't know that a sh- I don't know that a shootout was what they were looking for. I don't know that a defensive battle was what they were looking for. And as this team tough to get a read on, especially looking back at it the way that is available to us right now. And that brings us to the first playoff team that did not make it to the championship at four and six. The Michigan Gross. Panthers, uh, they only beat the Gamblers out of the South. Yep, that's right. The team that finished in third in the South. Uh, and they lost to the Maulers all three times they played them. That includes uh, includes the uh, playoff game. And they split with Philadelphia. It's just... or Let me check who they split with. Maybe they split with New Jersey. It's just insane to me that... They got swept by somebody in their division. Yep. They had and they got they got swept by two. They got swept by two teams in their division. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, or maybe they swept the other two. I don't know. It's it is kind of funny though that if Pittsburgh had to play anyone else in that playoff game, it probably would have been the other team, but. (laughs) The Panthers were the only team the Maulers could consistently be better than. So it's, it just really worked out for Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Michigan got swept by Pittsburgh, split with Philly, and uh, got swept by Pittsburgh. They beat the Gamblers. And then they swept either the stars or the generals and split with the other stars or the generals. Like this is not this is not a good team. This should not be a playoff right. team. In fairness, Pittsburgh shouldn't have been a playoff team either, but we'll talk about them here in a moment as well. I mean, if we only went by record though, it would have been all four teams in the South Division, which there is a point to be made that divisions are kind Important. of just made up garbage. Yeah. And who cares? I mean, college football is starting to go that direction, which I understand to an extent. 
but especially once the USFL actually becomes regionalized the way that these teams are named, it will be important to save money that you keep people, like keep those teams traveling within their region more often than traveling outside their region. There is a point to be made in both directions. It's tough though, right now, especially when everybody's only playing in four cities. Let's just get the four best teams in the playoff. That was not the Panthers. And and I think too, you know, it was just better football being played by all these teams in the South to begin with. Right. So almost as evidence. Almost all season. But, yeah, uh, Memphis, almost all season. Memphis ruined that for the first part of the year. They they got it figured out. They got it figured <laughs> they out. Figured and out hey, eventually, but it would have. I could have said all season except for that yeah. start by the showboats. <laughs> except for that zero three start. And but hey, you know, game five of the year when they're turning it around was against a playoff team, the seven and three New Orleans Breakers, who early on in the season looked absolutely unstoppable. Right. Maybe Memphis called them at a good time. Um, because they had a three-game losing streak. Memphis was one of those losses. And uh, during that losing streak, they scored a combined 40 points, including 20 against the league-leading Birmingham Stallions. Now, they had beaten Birmingham earlier in the season, one of their two losses. Uh, And I guess Birmingham figured them out because they beat them then, and they beat them in the playoffs. Uh. It just, it's amazing how well Birmingham was able to just adjust to any mistake that they made this year. Yeah, I thought New Orleans really had a shot once it came to the playoffs because they came out of the gate so hot, they fell off Mm -hmm. and then they got hot again and felt like they were on such a good trajectory. I don't know, Birmingham's just a... Dynasty in the making. A wagon. Almost like you set up your hub city there. You want the hometown team to be good. That what is a, a great conspiracy theory. I'm on board. What a crazy thought. <laughs> so last but not least, we have our teams that made it to the championship. And we already mentioned that Pittsburgh beat Michigan three times this year, twice during the regular season. And uh, then they split with New Jersey and Philly because – Nobody wanted to be dominant in the USFL North. They didn't beat a single team from the South, and that would not change. I know I'm spoiling the game that happened two weeks ago, um, but at this point, I'm just I, I I hate to keep bringing it up, but I'm in awe that this was uh, this was in, one of our championship teams, including the playoffs. The Michigan Panthers represent over half of Pittsburgh's wins on the year. That's kind of a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think what's amazing, too, is when we stopped covering the USFL, we had Michigan as one of the top four teams in the league, which I you know, I guess technically they did finish as one of the top four teams in the league. But one of the top four teams in the league, no, you know, no stipulations. We just thought they were that good. They looked that good. Yeah, maybe it's who they were playing. May you know, this is. I I look at the bottom, the bottom section of our playoff team and title contenders, and of course the last one, the Birmingham Stallions, and I don't see 
good football being played, and that's that's a problem. However, right, there's there's definitively two teams in this league that were better than everyone else in this league this year, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, they were not able to play for the title. That was the first mm-hmm. round playoff matchup from the South. We say that though, and I do. Before I get too into that, I want to talk about Birmingham real quick. They, spoiler alert, back-to-back champions. But the biggest surprise to me is that they didn't go undefeated. And that kind of does show the duality of this league sometimes. Had they not given up a safety, they would have shut Memphis out. Mm-hmm. But Memphis scored a safety in a 42-2 to trouncing. Memphis would go on to shut out Pittsburgh later in the season. This is the same Pittsburgh team that prior put up 20 against Birmingham. Yeah. So... I, I, It, it, it just it doesn't make sense because Pittsburgh will also score 12 points in the championship. And I, I'll let you – that'll be the last I talk about the championship game. It's insane to me just – the. Uh, it's not even Birmingham playing up or down to their level, right? They put up 42 on Memphis. 42. Like this was no – this was no small ass kicking. This was utter dominance. Right. And then even the best team in the league. I'm glad that we didn't see an XFL situation where it fell apart in the championship game and a team that didn't deserve to be there won it. But at the same time, it's almost worse because now you're like, well, what was the point? We got the result we all knew was going to happen anyway. Yeah, kind of. But it was a decent enough game. I would say the championship game is still a very fun experience, which I was there for. So I think that's worth talking about a little bit, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, The same day day as the 42nd Italian Bowl, there was the USFL championship game. Um, If you go to the next slide, this was just a beautiful, enticing graphic. I could not miss this for the world, right? Uh, Problem, the Italian Bowl is in Toledo, and the USFL Championship game is in Canton. Those are not that close to each other. And after the Italian Bowl was over, I took off, drove another two and a half hours to get to Canton. um, On top of the six hours that I drove to get to Toledo in the morning. So that that was a day. (laughs) <laughs> that was a very full day. I also spent about $17 in Ohio Turnpike fees because that was the fastest way to get to Canton. Uh, but I did it, and I got there in the, like, the middle of the second quarter, which is fine. I don't have an issue with that at all. I was able to make it before halftime which is all that mattered really because I did buy a club seat. It was not expensive. I'm not wealthy. It just, there were club seats available for not that much. So amazingly included in club seats, uh, free beer and free hot dogs. So what you, you left that part out. You're getting tanked for free. So I had, uh, six cores lights on the house. <laughs> you saved yourself like 
200 bucks. I know. And I got, I just, there was just a buffet table out with a pan. You could get the hot dogs, you could get the buns. So I double dogged every bun that I got. And I had like, oh. <laughs> I, had, I had way too many hot dogs. It was a wonderful time. They stopped serving beer like in the middle of the third quarter. So I, I had to slam them. I was, <laughs> I was getting after it. We went, I've, I've done a, we did a club level thing when I was in college. We went to a Redbirds game, a base Memphis Redbirds baseball. Nice. And, uh, we were, we did took, uh, went to the fraternity, went, took some, some recruits with us and, uh, just all, they were out of everything except Michelob Ultra. And I was like, well, I guess we're floating this Michelob Ultra keg. <laughs> outstanding show sure enough <laughs> no they they told me when i got there that you know beer was included cocktails were extra and i was like why would i ever get a cocktail your bar doesn't even look that good just what beers do you have in the fridge and they were like coors light and there was one other kind of beer and i don't even remember what it was i think it was some ipa I was like, I am not going for seven percenters when they're free and I can slam them. So give me the Coors Lights. <laughs> and I had a wonderful experience. <laughs> but I also had a phenomenal that's game, view. That's game-changing information. <laughs> also had a very phenomenal view. Uh, and really one of the first plays that I saw is on the next slide here. Um, this was, I don't know, I really do think this is one of the first plays that I actually sat down and was able to watch live, which I took a video of, and this is kind of how the game went as well. This is pretty indicative of the experience. <laughs> Touchdown, Birmingham. Uh, everybody was kind of like, Wow, that is that's a touchdown for Birmingham. Let's not cheer too hard because we're all Pittsburgh fans here. Apparently, uh, everybody was so excited when Pittsburgh kicked was, a field goal. <laughs> yeah, this was the home field for the Maulers during the regular season, and then Birmingham would score, uh, and there would be like <laughs> one section of the stadium that'd be like, "Yeah," and you can barely hear anybody cheering in this video, uh, but. They drove down the other side of the field. This was the second half, and I caught this photo, best-timed photo of my life. Uh, high point the ball right there. That was a touchdown catch for Birmingham, of course, because Birmingham was the only team to score touchdowns in this game. <laughs> That's four just, touchdowns that is... to four field goals is how this game ended up going. I know this was with your cell phone. Mm-hmm. But like, I wish we could touch this up a little bit just to get it clearer. I, know. I mean, this is a beautiful photo. This is damn near. This is professional timing with you know amateur products. With, uh, unfortunately, very amateur equipment. Yes, <laughs> we need to. And I didn't move Google at all. Excellent. This was from my club seat, which is like you know fourth level, zoomed in as far as my phone camera will go, basically. <laughs> It's literally just because he's moving because this dude has given up on life. Number right. 10 down here. Right. And he's clear as day. So, yeah. So is number two in the end zone. Yep. 
And he's like, eh, fuck it. All the people on the sidelines. And nobody <laughs> looks excited. I mean. I know. Well, nope. it hadn't sunk in yet that it was about to be a touchdown. And you can kind of see there's some empty seats there. It wasn't full, but it was definitely well attended, I would say. That's not a good representation, you know, seeing the empty seats in this picture. It really was – I don't know what the capacity of the Hall of Fame Stadium is. I would say it was close to three-quarters full. And that's that was pretty encouraging to see, that's honestly. That's not bad. Especially because I feel like even this year uh, – I guess this, this goes for both leagues, the USFL and the XFL. Both of these leagues have had what seems like some attendance issues. Yeah. Um, and the, the the USFL does themselves no favors by not having every team in a home stadium in their city, I guess, is probably the bigger portion there. Um, so it, it is encouraging that people were showing out for this. I know you wanted me to talk about the halftime show because <laughs> these were two extremely different experiences on the same day. The Italian Bowl, I had a full-on opera singer go all out with that's uh, Amore and America the Beautiful in pure opera voice mode, just lighting up the stadium. And then the USFL, we got the dance teams. Uh, yeah, they they were fine, I guess. They did perform. My legitimate thoughts, all right, I don't care. Um like dance teams are cool and all. If you're not great at it, I I don't particularly get invested. Put it that way. Like it's fine if you want to be a cheer squad, whatever. Do your little dance routine. I don't. It's not something that I get excited to watch usually. Um, my issue was how many times the USFL said. This is a family-friendly event. This is bring your kids to this. We want your kids to be here for this. And then the halftime show was two sets of women shaking their asses. Literally, that was the entire routine was them like twerking on the field. I thought that was a little bit weird. Just from me personally, a little bit of constructive criticism to the USFL. If you want kids to show up to your event, maybe shaking the humba jumpas, the flambo jambos, and that's that's uh that's not necessarily the most child friendly event anymore. You know, um, that's the the opera singer was very fun. <laughs> I missed the opera singer. <laughs> I need more opera at my halftime show. <laughs> I just still think too that that woman standing there in the middle of the field. She was the only one on the field. It was just her and a microphone stand, and she just belts out, "When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie." I was like, "Damn, I feel like I'm there." <laughs> That's beautiful. I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> but the game continued. Uh, 
yeah, four touchdowns and four field goals. Like I said, it was Pittsburgh never felt like they were out of it. Just Birmingham always was able to get the stops that they needed. Which, you know, if you can always get the stops that you need, you're going to win. That's kind of, yeah. I don't know, one of the definitions of getting the stops that you need. So Birmingham won. <laughs> uh, it was, I thought this was really cool. I hadn't actually seen this live before, but they whooped out newspapers like tomorrow's headline kind of a deal of back-to-back champions. Uh, you can kind of read this. It's probably hard on the screen. Champions on repeat was the headline there from the Birmingham Times. They were holding up the tomorrow's newspaper. Also, they were, you know how like NBA teams will pop champagne bottles on in the locker room after the event. Uh, the USFL had their players pop 40s on the field. <laughs> what? No. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Every player had at least one 40 ounce. <laughs> and they were like chugging them. And they were splashing each other with them. There was a dude that was double fisted 40s. <laughs> The Edward 40 hands no. going on. I'm not no. kidding you. <laughs> Again, maybe not the most family-friendly, kid-friendly event of all time, uh, but it was hilarious. <laughs> I didn't include a picture of that, um, but I do have a couple in the Discord. Oh. If you want to hop in the Discord, you can <laughs> you can find some pictures of these Birmingham Stallions I mean, players you, celebrating with 40 ounces. If you, if you do that, that high life, baby. In, <laughs> if you do that in the locker room, sure. On the field? I know. <laughs> so this game was on July 1st. Um, which means we didn't just get the pyrotechnics and the confetti. We also got a, a good 20-minute fireworks show right after this um, while players were still on the field dancing around with 40 ounces. So by the time the fireworks show was over, there had been so many fireworks. The smoke was so thick, I could no longer see the field. So I don't really have any pictures beyond about this time because – the stadium started filling up with smoke and I couldn't see. But it was makes, it was makes sense. Makes sense. I, I love I the just, I don't know what this the is. very flimsy looking cardboard cutout champions. It's <laughs> there's there's something left to be desired here for sure. <laughs> something we something I wish I'd have thought to put up uh, and juxtapose. I don't remember if we talked about it at the end of the XFL season, but just the two trophies next to each other. I feel like the USFL trophy is yeah. trying to look like the Lombardi trophy, uh, which yes. is a problem in my opinion. Whereas the XFL trophy is like, yeah, we're trying to look like our division championship trophies. Right. And this one's just a little bit bigger and a little bit better. Like that's, that's who we are. That's what you're getting. I don't to know which fair, one I like more. To be fair to the USFL, the Lombardi is truly just a football on a stand. 
And true. The USFL also has a football on a stand. It is a different stand. So I think technically, if you're going to go for football on stand approach, there's not too much you can do other than what the USFL did here, which is they made it a different shape. So fair, fair. <laughs> the only other thing you can do is like a, either a completely non you don't have a football as a part of your trophy, make a football itself the trophy, and then you're going to get compared to the crystal football, the BCS era, mm. or you go for, you know, kind of what the XFL did, which is just, it's straight up, it's an XFL design. So yeah. it's it can be hard to come up with something like that, though. Football on stand approach, I don't have an issue with it personally. It is, it's different enough for me. That's fair. I just know that that's what everybody thinks the first time they see it. Like, oh, this is a yeah. ripoff of the Lombardi trophy. But then people on the whole don't have a lot of good, positive things to say about the XFL trophy, which I, for one, love. It's fine. <laughs> of my options right now, I think the Italian Bowl trophy looks pretty dang good. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the Italian Bowl trophy. I'm with you on that. I'm uh, so with you I, on that. I do have wide receiver Deion Kane here. He was the MVP of the championship game, which I was actually surprised by until I found out the stat line because I failed to recognize three of the four touchdowns scored in this entire game belong to that man right there, Deion Kane. Uh, which, yeah, that's going to – it's going to bode pretty well for your championship game MVP aspirations. That was a lot more dominant than I even realized. Um, that was that was him in the well-timed photo that I took because, of course, it was. Almost no one I was else about scored to a say. touchdown. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I legitimately thought it was going to be the quarterback because that's how these MVP awards usually go. But no, it went to the receiver who scored most of the points in this game. So I thought that was kind of cool. He did have a very good game overall. Um, it was more than just three touchdowns. It was a whole hell of a lot of yards, too. Yeah, and you love to see it. I just like that it's not a quarterback every time. Not a quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> well, I got bad news for you. But yeah, a season MVP <laughs> was a quarterback. And it was the quarterback I thought was going to win championship MVP. Actually, I thought it so much that I put in Discord that it looks like uh, Alex Magoo here is about to win league MVP, championship game MVP, and a championship in the same season. That's dang near a clean sweep. The best regular season record on top of it, too. Like, you cannot possibly have a better season than that for a quarterback. But then he lost the championship game MVP to the one guy he was throwing it to well game. So that's on him, I guess. <laughs> and that guy won offensive player of the year. So, I mean, it was really a one-two race for MVP anyway. Um, well, Mark Thompson won offensive player of the year to running back for Houston, which – Oh, I've I misread the line. Yeah, that's my fault. Yep. 
It's fine. I was like, he's not. I was like, what? What do I believe? The picture or what's written down? <laughs> yeah, Mark Thompson was sensational for most of the season. Um, but yeah, MVP. I don't think there was actually a whole lot of debate here. Um, Birmingham's quarterback has looked pretty darn good last two years now. I feel like it, at this point, it has to be a little bit of the AJ McCarron conversation of, I just want to actually play instead of being on the bench somewhere because I highly I doubt so. there's a, there's not an NFL team that would, you know, he could make a roster. I'm sure. I think he he has to make a roster at this point in some way, shape, or form. If you I'll see to. how you don't. That's, that's my point, I yeah. guess. If he wants to, I'm sure there's a spot for him. Uh, defensive player of the year did go to linebacker Frank Ginda of the Michigan Panthers. He lost 20 pounds in the offseason, went down from playing at 240 to 220 and was a heck of a lot faster and led the league in tackles. So that's a good way to do that. <laughs> Found something that worked for him. And special teams player of the year is your guy, kick returner Derek Dillon. This is the second kick returner of one of your favorite teams to have been phenomenal. <laughs> of course, uh, Derek Dillon is not Devin Hester level just yet. But we'll see. He's, he's not Devin Hester. Well, what's what's crazy to me too is he returned five less kicks than uh, uh, Pittsburgh's uh, leading returner, uh, and that of course resulted in fewer yards. But he did have a higher average and a longer kick return for a touchdown, whereas Deion Kane returned two for touchdown and had a ninety-two yard long kick return. So. It, I don't know. It's really weird that he won. I'm happy he won. Don't get me wrong. But when I look at the stats, I'm, I'm curious how they ended up landing on Derek Dillon. Congrats to him. Maybe they just wanted to give it to somebody other than another Birmingham Stallion. I wonder if that's part of it. And I think they were pissed at how bad the, the Panthers or the Maulers were. They're just like, nope, we're just going to go with the Showboats player. Fuck them. Yeah, maybe. That would be hilarious <laughs> if that's the reasoning. Just... No, screw these guys. We're giving it to somebody else. <laughs> Anybody else. Who's the second best guy? Sure. <laughs> Next up, I think I think we, we, we talked about this briefly, that it was it inevitably had to come down to this. And we even touched on it a little bit with trophy talk. But yeah. These two leagues are going to forever be compared to each other. And if the AAF was still around, you could throw their hat in the mix for this as well. Sure. Now, I think the AAF would automatically start in at least second because they didn't do kickoffs, uh, which is a whole separate conversation. Uh, oh, and man, it's all around player safety. Kickoffs. I forgot. forgot how great they were. Yeah. <laughs> the no kickoffs? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All, all three of, you know, these two and all three, when you include the AF, have all been doing things to try and innovate the game, make it better. And I do think we will see different things from all of these leagues integrated into the NFL. 
none more than the XFL kickoff, I hope is integrated the most. Um, I think the USFL's approach to one, two, and three-point conversions is more realistic to happen than the XFL's approach of taking kickers completely out of extra points. But there are different things between these two leagues that I could legitimately see being used in the NFL, and I think that is a good thing. My now, favorite part of all of the rule changes across everything is that both the USFL and the XFL have really opened up the review process for everything. Let everybody see what is happening because the NFL is really cagey about all that stuff still. But the XFL, you have Dean mm-hmm. Blandino, and the USFL, you have Mike Pereira. Get up on TV at the championship game I was at. There was a play being reviewed, and Mike Pereira was shown on the main scoreboard while he was talking out the review. That is incredible. That needs to happen <laughs> at other levels of football. And this, because, I, oh my gosh, that would, this that would is solve why like 15 problems. <laughs> you, you want people to stop saying the NFL is rigged? Have them, have them up there explaining how it's done. That'll do it. Right. Nobody, Because one of the problems with the XFL going back to 2002 when they were around, right? Jerry Lawler was calling games on TV for the Memphis Maniacs. You had other wrestling personalities involved with the league. A lot of people thought it was just this hinky, fixed, rigged league. That was part mm-hmm. of the reason people lost interest. Flat out. Both of these leagues have so much transparency in things that matter the most, which is amazing, especially when they've also integrated gambling, some would say too much in some cases, directly into their broadcast. For them yeah, to have they have to have much. this transparency. <laughs> I uh, I got there I got there by the end of the year with the XFL, I'm not going to lie. But then people, you know, you take all the good, all these great things and then people will be just put these leagues head to head, head to head together. Well, which one's better? Which one's better? Which brings me to this. Mm-hmm. And this was some tweet. I I can't see exactly who it is. It says USFL expert uh, in the username, and then at the ad is gone. This was ripped off of a Facebook post. Uh, USFL versus XFL passers with two thousand yards. USFL three, XFL two. Which I saw that, and I was like, yeah, I think that sounds about right. I don't know that anybody besides A.J. McCarron and Ben Genucci threw more than 2,000 yards. That one, I was like, okay, sure. Right. Rushers with more than 500 yards, the USFL had four, and the XFL had Abram Smith. And I knew that Abram Smith met that. I was like, man, there's got to be a couple others that met this, right? No, he he indeed was the only one. There were a lot of different injuries, and there was a lot Mm -hmm. of quarterback running the ball. Uh, well, which and is there were a lot what of, we'll get into. There were a, a heck of a lot of roster changes during the season, which were extremely mm-hmm. surprising to even mm-hmm. us who were watching the league very closely. Of running backs just getting cut randomly, or running backs being signed randomly. Like Philip Lindsay came on like week seven or something crazy. There were yeah. roster changes in that in the running back rooms that the USFL didn't have the same way. I think that right. was a big factor as well. Uh, yeah. And then receivers with 500, more than 500 yards. This one doesn't really say anything. Eight to seven. Like, okay. 
it was within one quarterbacks was within one you're really pointing at the running backs to affirm your final statement better football was clearly and i'm sure it ends with in the usfl better offenses maybe maybe it's because these defenses were worse that's kind of been my initial reaction but i said you know what let's let's dig a step deeper because these guys are the superstars and so maybe maybe the usfl does have better superstars maybe they are stacked that much higher but let's see if maybe these quarterbacks are spreading the ball around more let's see if these teams are a little more balanced when you drop the passing yards down to 1500 for each league there are six quarterbacks that did that and when you drop it down a third time to a thousand, each league gains an extra quarterback. You have seven, which means there's one team that's not represented. And all of these teams in both of these leagues went through quarterback changes or had two quarterbacks right. play significant minutes. Which right. brings there me to the next one when you drop that talked about having two quarterback systems. I mean, that was just part of when how you they drop the rushing. Yeah. <laughs> when you drop the rushing yards down to two fifty. USFL is at 13 with the XFL at 11 and Cole McDonald just shy at 246. And it's also worth mentioning league leading running backs from both of these leagues. Abram Smith was nine yards shy of 800 yards. Right. I believe there was a game he missed half the game that if that doesn't happen, we're probably talking about a guy very close to a thousand yards rushing. Meanwhile, Wes Hills of the New Orleans Breakers, the USFL leading rusher, only ran for 679, which is nothing to slouch at. But when you compare it to 791, like you got outgained by 200 yards, bro. Or almost, right. you got outgained by 100 yards, bro. Right. And then we finally go to receiving. You drop that down to 250 as well because we measured, we went 500 for rushing and receiving. The USFL has 20 while the the XFL is at 25. The ball was spread around a lot more. There are a lot of receivers that were getting love. It seemed like every game, you knew the big names, and the defenses mm -hmm. would key in on them, so you they would have to throw to other players on the team. It wasn't an all or nothing, like going to Josh Gordon every game was not how the Seattle Sea Dragons were so good. They right. had so many receivers that Ben DiNucci was able to spread the ball around so much better than pretty much anybody else in the league. Of course they didn't have – of course there weren't just Googles and Googles of yards for all these different uh, all these different receivers. So what you're doing here sounds like you're defending the XFL, but I think that's only because it was framed initially as the USFL is so much better. I don't think either side Correct. of that is true. Uh, so I, I, have, I have two responses here. And I don't know which one is more true. So I'm going to pose both of them at the same time and see which one you go for. So this is this is number one. Maybe by dropping the yardage and you have more guys in the XFL, maybe that kind of proves this the original poster's point. Where the USFL had better individual players than the XFL, even if the XFL had maybe there was a better baseline of talent for the roster filler guys, maybe the USFL has the better stars. That is that is theoretically possible. Second point that is very possible, stats really don't fucking matter. And these 
<laughs> I think this whole argument's kind of stupid. <laughs> to, to argue I, it from a purely statistical perspective, I don't think is fair for a litany of reasons. The coaching staffs are so different. The the pace of play is so different. Just ne- necessarily by the kinds of defenses being run, the kinds of offenses being run. If we're looking at one-to-one comparisons of this team ran this scheme with these players and did this well, and then Team B ran the same scheme with different players and did better, okay, maybe we can actually convincingly say Team B is a better team. I don't think any of that is really one-to-one here. And with so many roster changes across the board, I don't think it's fair to say anything based off of purely looking at the numbers of players who achieved a certain stat limit that somebody found desirable. That is, That feels like a dumb argument to me. At the same time. No, 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 no. I agree. It, it is uh, – I think it is theoretically possible that it's that first point there. Maybe the USFL really does have the best of the best at the top end of spring league pro football talent. Maybe that is true. So I I think I think you might be onto something with that. And I would add to it that maybe the defenses in the USFL are a little bit worse. And yes, of course, this was going to come off as defending the XFL a little bit. But like you said, there's merit to everything I put out there. It's like, hey, look, the further you go down this lineup, the less drop-off there is. There's a higher – there's a bigger pool of good players versus, hey, we've got these amazing players and nobody good at, Mm -hmm. you know, the middle and the bottom. Now, why I say why why am I saying well maybe it's just the defenses are better, and it, it's something I already talked about already, right? Abram Smith I think is the best running back in either league. Period. Dot. But I do think he owes a lot of that to his offensive line. I've right. seen him run through the second level too, so this man can just flat out run the fucking football. Yeah, but so when you go look Hills. at, I watched him run too, and it was pretty dang impressive. Right. <laughs> When you watch, I mean, when you go look at the receivers, right? Mm-hmm. None of these guys were leading their team in receiving yards every single game in the XFL. And I did not go and look and research and do what I should have. So I apologize. I can't speak to that on the USFL. But when you have so many, and, and it was it was neck and neck anyway. So it's really the whole basis of their argument of the XFL or the USFL being the better league is centered around three running backs, one quarterback, and one wide receiver meeting their threshold of points, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like a disingenuous argument to come at it from. I have these stat totals that I prefer to see. And mm-hmm. here's another an extra player who did it. So therefore, this whole league is better. Right. But I don't know. It it's worth some further analysis, I guess. But I think even the the analysis that we've done so far makes me feel like this is stupid. I don't I don't care. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
<laughs> Suffice it to say, uh, I had a great time watching both of these leagues when I was able to this year. And last year, I don't know that that was entirely true. I felt much more invested in the XFL than then, than in the USFL last year. I'm not sure why. I don't feel the like XFL the wasn't even playing last year. Um, I know, I know, and I felt way more invested <laughs> in the XFL. I I don't know why. Yeah, and because I don't I and, truly, and I don't feel like the product changed that much from the USFL perspective. But it, maybe no. it was the fact that I didn't have a break in football this year. And I just kept rolling through. Maybe it was something to do with um, I got my frustrations out about spring league football. With I was already hyped for the XFL, and so the first two weeks I was able to sustain some investment, even though the football is a little bit lesser than what we had just witnessed. And then I'm okay with that level of play through the USFL season that I just wasn't as excited for last year. Maybe I don't know. I don't, it's hard to explain. I felt like it was a great time watching both these leagues this year. And I think that's the best measure that I can possibly produce is both these leagues, leagues are a heck of a lot of fun. And I don't want to see either of them go anywhere. Let's, let's have XFL and USFL football for a long ass time. I 100% agree. I, I will say one thing that bothered me more if you want to if you want to put it like that about the usfl over the xfl is just the ease of access to watch it we complained yeah. incessantly about the xfl app and about espn plus and re-watching right. however it was all there it was either on the app or it was on espn plus there was never oh my god is it on fox is it on you know it was one or the other and every game was on espn plus Mm-hmm. Trying to go back and rewatch anything on the USFL, you have to go to their website to figure out where it even aired initially, and then you got to go to the corresponding app. If there is one thing the USFL needs to improve in the future, and this is this is honestly big Fox problem, they need to get all the games on Peacock, or they need to get all the games on Fox now. That would be the one, the biggest thing I would love to see the USFL do. Um, oh, and make an app. What the hell? What what is this? 2003? I would love to have all of the USFL games on the cock. It'd be great. <laughs> I did set up that <laughs> no, one up I, for you, didn't I? I do feel like compared to um, when I was first watching football games on ESPN Plus, I've gotten way more used to that environment. And so I ended up becoming pretty okay with only watching the XFL on ESPN Plus um, just because we're going to have to watch basically every single FCS game this season on ESPN Plus. There are like three games all year that are on a regular channel. So <laughs> um, oh, yeah. it's it's become just part of the ecosystem, which get with it or or stop watching football, I guess. Um, but I don't think that's inherently a great ecosystem either. So to I don't know that either side necessarily has an edge with their broadcasting. 
I yeah. do and like Fox's crews more than I liked the XFL's crews if I was watching a game on TV, either ESPN Plus or or Fox or I don't know. And I'm just I'll a big say, fan, I guess. But I mean, yeah, we know, we know. I'll say too, one of the big <laughs> things with the XFL broadcasts is that watching it on replay makes it a little bit harder to have to deal with the gambling talk because all the live bets and all this and that, like it's all over. Right. I don't want to hear about it for four quarters. Um, even more so when I'm just rewatching the game. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm looking forward to another year of it. And as you mentioned, the FCS, I'm looking forward to getting into some of these FCS games, action, reviewing these teams, talking to some coaching staffs. We've got a lot planned in the upcoming weeks and months leading up to week zero and week one of the college football season, both for FCS and, of course, the FBS. Yeah, I am so excited for college football. Um, legitimately one of my favorite things in the world, and it's coming back very soon, but less than two months away. I'm peeing my pants in, in, in excitement. He's, he's actually got to go change his dirty pee pants after this episode. Uh, my chair is wet. It's a problem. This chair was expensive. I don't know how to clean it. <laughs> no. No, but we, we actually have some some great information for FCS schools. I'm very excited to share with you guys in the upcoming conference previews. Uh, we potentially have some interviews with FCS coaching staffs, uh, which is incredible and a place I never thought we would get to this quickly because we really pivoted from talking some NFL to shifting our focus to purely college football like this year. So the FCS is getting a lot of attention this season, and we're diving in headfirst all the way. That is beautiful. I love it very much. Uh, the conference previews are our next big series that you'll see from us. In the meantime, though, we will have a show Monday where we're not going to be talking conference previews just yet. It'll be something a little bit different, and hope you guys are willing to check it out with us. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm not talking about it at all. He hasn't even told me. I know. <laughs> I do have something, though. You just have to trust me. It, 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 I, it is legitimate. I know it sounds sketchy now that I'm defending myself. It sounds even sketchier. <laughs> I do have something. <laughs> it is real. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, man. But it is Thursday, which means it's joke time. Um, and I don't know if you have one prepared. But I saw a joke like not recently before, just like a little bit before I came on the show, getting ready to start the stream. So <laughs> if you want to go first, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of want you to go first just to see what I'm up against. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, so I recently broke up with a girl who called me and was complaining about the breakup because I broke up over text. And she, she said, I can't believe that you say I talk like a pirate and you never buy me flowers. 
I said, I never knew you sold flowers. <laughs> I've been holding that in all, all right, show. I got one. It's been brutal. I think you I think you got me beat this week. But why couldn't the green pepper practice archery? Um I have because no it idea. didn't have an arrow. Because it didn't have an arrow. I heard you. <laughs> Did make it funnier though. You say it a second time. <laughs> Oh man! All right, <laughs> we have a whole bunch of social Before media we get links. Go check them out in the podcast description. Uh, Tug will be back next time to straighten us out, and we'll have a much more and read off the order. read off said links. They've been scrolling across the bottom the whole time too. I know you guys can figure it out. You're smart enough. We trust you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> join the Discord. Um, that's where you can talk to us all the time. Or you can talk to us in public on Twitter, or you can hang out with us on Twitch. Uh, it's a great time live. And if you're listening on audio later, you probably heard somebody subscribed on Twitch while we were live right now today. It's very exciting for us. We and they got they got a live shout much. out on the show. That, that I know. could be you. It's cool. It's could be stuff. you if you went to our Patreon uh, too. The links into the description. and if you have questions for us you can type them into the chat on twitch and we will answer them live during the show we'll stop what we're doing and talk to you it's basically how this works right now um or you could you could email us okay with that which is also yeah that's possible too it's also in here it's also going to be in the description works is that is one method of communication that is available i'm not giving you my personal address for you to write me paper mail though that is not going to happen um <laughs> it will not bug is editing this so he doesn't know my address right now because i just moved so that's that's good for me actually yeah, it's got a package from me at my new address <laughs> so you do know my address <laughs> damn it whoops i really stepped in it <laughs> We'll see what happens. If my address is in the description, then write me a, some some mail, write me a letter, and I will respond to it on the show. That's that's my promise to you. If you come knocking on my door, I will respond to you in person. That's disturbing, and I please don't do that. I'm tempted. I'm very tempted. That's it, everybody. We're not doing Tug's thing. We're not doing Tug's thing. We're going to do my thing. Peace out. Girl Scout. We'll see y'all.